0: Memberships are one of the fastest-growing online business strategies, and as a podcaster, you might be wondering if it's right for you. In this episode, business strategist Lisa Princic is here to explain how to build an online membership model based on your dream business and so your members can actually get results. Whether you've worked with one-on-one clients in the past or not, she'll answer questions about who should start a membership, a few different models, and how large your audience needs to be before you can start. And by the end of this episode, you'll walk away with the insights you need to decide if a membership could be the right fit for your podcast or for your business. It's all coming up in today's episode of Wit & Wire. Welcome to Wit & Wire, where we take you behind the scenes to learn how to start and scale a successful podcast that makes an impact. I'm your host, Melissa Guller, a podcast producer, host, and instructor on a mission to amplify and diversify voices in podcasting. No matter how new or seasoned you are as a host, I can't wait to help you find more listeners, expand your audience, build authentic connections, and hit the charts. Today I'm thrilled to be here with Lisa Prinsic. Lisa is a trained business strategist and the host of the Scaling Deep podcast. Lisa's clients turn to her for help with business growth when they're worn out from chasing the next mass marketing trick, but they know they need to go beyond word of mouth. She is a results-oriented deep thinker who has an innate instinct for seeing the value of a business and turning that into a pipeline of ideal clients. A staunch believer in business simplicity and intention, Lisa helps her clients accomplish their goals by focusing on what to do and what to ignore. So Lisa, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I can't wait to talk more about memberships, which is, of course, the theme of our episode. But first, I'd love to ask you about your podcast. So, why did you initially decide to start your podcast, Scaling Deep?
1: Okay. So, yeah, I feel like I launched it probably later than I would have liked to. So, I launched it in January of 2019. It is a podcast for business owners, online business owners, service providers who would like to grow. Online, and they are really interested in figuring out what happens behind the scenes because I find that there's a lot of really large business owners who have podcasts who are kind of sharing tactics and tips that are on a much larger scale. And I really want to ask, like, but what is that like micro step that? got you from here to there, because I think a lot of that stuff gets forgotten about. And I really wanted to be able to point out like, this is the real deal, (laughs) and what it takes. And, and it's not um, just try this tactic or this ad strategy or this whatever. So I really try to get behind the scenes of like, what are people actually doing to grow and get traction and consistent revenue?
0: I love that. And it sounds a little similar to my mission around podcasting. And I do think there's a lot of maybe gray area behind the scenes of what it really takes to go from starting a business or a podcast to having something that's wildly successful. And that in-between section often feels like a giant mystery. So I love what you're doing. And kind of on a similar note, when you did launch your podcast, what did your business look like at the time?
1: Well it was an interesting point of me feeling like I wasn't really showing up enough and I was I was doing well enough but I wasn't really creating a consistent uh funnel I didn't really have a a clear idea of how I could grow it intentionally. I was in more in a reactive, like referrals. I get a lot of Google traffic. And I, well, at least at the time I used to get, I changed my URL and that changed things quite a bit. But at the time I was getting quite a bit of people who'd find me just through Google search. And that's how I was getting the bulk of my clients and revenue. And I knew that that wasn't necessarily sustainable. I mean, these kinds of things will change over time. And I also, wanted to be more in control of my growth. So when I decided to do a podcast, I knew that I needed to kind of step out. It was like a coming out for me of like putting my message into the world, putting my brand, my opinions, my my style, my what I believe it's going to take to grow a business out into the world. So it was a really big declaration for me. It felt, it felt like a really a big move. Like if I look back, it is a turning point for me that represented a I'm not going to stay back in the background anymore and want, and hope people find me. I'm going to kind of put myself out there and be like, hi, <laughs> here I am. So that was a really interesting um, phase. And then I would say in two years, it's an incredible journey and an incredible in that I've met so many great people. I have so many like biz bestie type relationships because of podcasting. I have people who will listen to an episode and say, oh, you've just encouraged me to do this one thing. And and it's just been such an interesting connection point of creating relationship with people that I didn't really have before, that even though I don't have, some of the people don't maybe know me because they don't speak up, some of them end up hiring me and others just obviously are listening without me knowing who they are, but I still feel like I have this like really strong relationship. So that- if I was to summarize how it feels and what I've gotten out of it, I would say that's what it is all about
0: for me. I love that you pointed out podcasting as a connection point for relationships because I think it's easy to look at a podcast from the outside and assume that the benefit is that you, one person, could talk to many people at once, which is true. But like you said, I've met so many individual people, whether they've been guests or even listeners, who have become true meaningful relationships in my life, people who I actually talk to, not just even about business, but also about life and friendship. And it's really been, I think, an understated benefit of being a podcaster, that it's so much more than just a marketing channel. It's also a real Uh, Not to say networking, but kind of it is a networking channel as well. I see it for me as very much engagement. I didn't
1: expect that as much as I thought it would be maybe more of a visibility strategy, which I think it is to some extent. But but if a podcast hasn't really taken off exponentially, like I'm just starting to see growth and I can tell you why I think it's been the way it has because of you know a few different uh reasons but I think for me it's been more like people getting to know me really well and and spending time with me and tracking my journey and my my growth in my business and I think that's where it's been the biggest value as and and engaging with the people who I interview so there's a whole bunch of engagement going on Visibility, like in terms of that being the place where people find you in the first place, that's a little harder to control at the beginning, just like any platform we're doing for visibility. Like, we don't know if we're going to get viewers right away or followers or all that. So, I think the really core benefit that anyone and everyone will benefit from is that middle part of the funnel, which is like that relationship development.
0: And before we do get into our membership discussion, I do have to go back to where you said that there are some strategies that you felt have helped you continue to grow your podcast. So maybe what are some of those things that you found have worked for you?
1: Well, I mean, I would say it's been a bit slower than I wanted to. I mean, I'll be honest, like I, I wanted to obviously be exponential in my podcast growth. And what I wasn't sure, I think what happened with me is that I launched into a very big category. You know I'm an online business owner in and I think I might be in like in marketing in my category, which is probably smaller than just business, but it's really about how do you distinguish yourself when you're in a broad big category with a lot of people in it, and that's something that I I didn't put as much thought to all those real, those details. I just went out there with what I knew and what I had. And like, I think the content is still really strong, but it's just then it's not like somebody can search up my podcast. And I mean, I met somebody who was a prospect who came to me and she's like, yeah, like I have a podcast on burnout. She goes, I have a lot of people who find me because they actually use that search term and find my podcast. So I don't have that. And I also didn't launch it to a large audience. So the, so one of the things that I've noticed that I was like, okay, what's it going to take? And I started to realize that it's going to take more of me showing up personally, like, and I do show up and I am really, um, myself because it's natural for me to podcast. Like I can be very, I'm very auditory. Like that's my number one thing. (laughs) So it's like, I can just talk. (laughs) But I think what it was is that I wasn't really sharing some of the more human side of me that maybe isn't even relevant to the purpose of the topic like it, it it isn't necessarily about like here's more training and here's more of a take on how to do this like i had a lot to say about that but i wasn't necessarily thinking that anything of my personal life was significant so i've i've kind of recognized that the world is really craving transparency and that is going to just take me putting out smaller pieces on things i'm observing things that i because I am deeply observant, like I kind of tend to know what's going on with people and the world and it's psychologically a lot. So I'm gonna start putting that out there more and why I am where I'm at and why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking, as well as just being more open about my own business journey and telling them where I'm at in terms of revenue and goals. And just, I think that's going to be the real change for me, the real difference maker. So I've already started seeing that Increasing my numbers, and I think that's going to just be way bigger down the
0: road. That is such an interesting balance that all of us running online businesses have to ask for ourselves: how much of our own life, our personality, do we put into something? And I think it is a very personal choice to make.
1: I I think like and if unless you're laser niched, like you're this, like you've got a podcast for growing podcasters. So I think it's a real resource for people who want something very singular. But I think that when you're talking about broad topics, people can learn them from anyone. And they have to choose you and you want to keep them following your journey. So if there isn't a storyline, it's not like they will come back as often as if they're following a storyline. That's something that I've really begun to consider is that how do I keep people following me not only for the sort of advice or strategy that I give and the approach to how to do things in a deeper, stronger, more profound way, so they get better results, but also just like, how am I doing it? I think when you want this to grow your following, this is an opportunity to create the following. And that's going to take some openness
0: And kind of continuing on with the theme of, you know, just connections and being around other people, I do think that is a perfect segue to talk more about memberships. And this is something I know a lot of podcast hosts and business owners are thinking about right now. And just to briefly start from square one, what is the kind of membership we're talking about? And how is it different from maybe an online course or a Facebook group?
1: So I look at memberships as a way to provide ongoing, long-term committed service to our clients. And it can be a sit within different places in the business model. Like it can be something that people come into and then get to know us. And then we work with them more closely. And that's the group who we sell to bigger things down the road. Or it can be the main source of what we offer. And it, it can also be the thing that you know, we, yeah, that we lead people to for the long term. And, and it can also have so many different ways of, um, of showing up. So I believe that a membership in order to work needs to actually represent our zone of genius. And the reason why I say this is because it is a really long-term commitment. It's something that you want to be, you're going to be doing every month (laughs) for a long time. And regardless of how much you get help with it, it's not really where it starts. It really starts with you being in there, leading it and growing it. And I think that if it's something that you are going to continue to do long-term, it's got to be something that is natural. So there's several different kinds that I like to talk about. And one is a coaching model, which is about you showing up and coaching and having live interaction with people, whoever wants to show up. So that might differentiate it from a group program in that people don't have to show up. So it's still priced at a point where they don't have to grasp every second of those live times. Um, it can be coaching on typing coaching, like, like I'm in a group where someone has a lot of, uh, gets a lot of questions on certain things and she will write responses back in a group community format that is kind of like coaching, but it's just not done on a call or live. And then there's education model, which means that people are showing up because they need to learn something consistently and you're providing either templates or materials or the training and they really need it and it really makes their life better. And that's kind of the primary focus. And then the final one is community, which is what we think of a lot when we think about memberships is that it is primarily a community, but I don't actually think that it has to be that way. I think that you could have a, a membership that doesn't even have community or the community is there if it's needed or as an extra, but it's not the prime focus and the thing that makes it work. So I like to change those traditional definition of a membership and just say that the the thing that makes it membership is that it's ongoing. People can stay for as long as they want. And it is kind of on a monthly cycle. So that's the, those are the defining factors for it.
0: And why do you think that maybe now membership models are becoming so popular? Okay. So a little bit of market disruption. I think people have been stretched
1: and they're rethinking things and they're reconsidering their values, they're thinking more about their investments. I think a membership is one of those ways of saying like, you can get as much value out of it as you want. Like if you really want to show up on every call or take every material, it's going to be pretty high value for someone. And it also means that They are able to get it on their own time and they don't necessarily want to say, like, I want to take a three month course. Like, what if something happens and I can't finish it? I think it's like a membership is allowing people to maybe take a course, but then have a longer term potential to to use the information and still get the support. And I think people are are asking for that. So some service providers are really stepping out and saying, like, I want to offer you really good service. I want you to get really good results. And I think that's actually allowing some high integrity people to offer their programs and services in a way that does require them to show up and deliver and serve and make sure people get outcomes. And I think people want that more. And I think a lot of people like you and I really want to deliver that. (laughs) Like we want people to get results. We are not looking at everyone as a number or a transaction.
0: Yeah. I think two things that I'm noticing about what you're sharing is that It really lets your students, your clients, your listeners, whoever they are, choose their own path to working with you. There's no longer a one-size-fits-all path, maybe, to getting a result, and this allows them to be a little bit more in the driver's seat. And like you said, I often kind of joke that I'm not in the business of enrollments. I'm in the business of launches, of success stories, and I think a membership would hold the business owner accountable to really helping people get results because if you're helping then they'll continue to stay and everyone will benefit.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think it's separating the people who really are committed to their clients getting results from the people who are kind of pushing it back on their clients and saying, well, it's uh, it's it's your personal responsibility to get a result.
0: Maybe in spite of all of these great reasons to consider starting a membership, I imagine there are a few drawbacks or maybe fears that could be holding people back. And so I wanna ask you about three of them that, came to mind for me. So one I'm sure that listeners might be wondering is, you know, what if they're newer to business and they worry that they don't have a big enough audience? So is there some kind of minimum audience size or business experience level that you would recommend before somebody should consider starting a membership?
1: Well, that actually really depends. And I love that question because I think that is one of the things that holds people back and it held me back for a long time a lot of us are not growing volume businesses and that's where I think there's an opportunity. Like I don't have a volume business. I work one-on-one with people and I just launched a really small membership with four people to start <laughs> with, with a fifth person coming in the second month. And it was a slightly higher ticket. So it wasn't like it's not a $50 a month. And I actually made it a year long commitment. And that was my way of saying, like, this is how I want to work with people. These are people I've worked with before, and they need some ongoing support. So I launched it in a way that was super low key for me, because I didn't have to create any materials. Like I literally sold it. And then I was like, okay, now I'm creating a Google calendar of times that we're going to have coaching. And I feel so, I'm I'm so excited about it because people are getting so much value out of it. So you can start a hands-on membership with a few people. You just want to make sure that you're pricing it at the level of service they're going to get, especially if you charge, you know, a lot more for one-on-one. Just make sure you're, you're still charging the amount that makes sense for this model to work for you.
0: I think that's a really helpful reframe that membership doesn't have to be code for a massive group. And in fact, there are a lot of benefits to doing a higher ticket item that could serve fewer people. But what if some of our listeners are curious about more of a 47 or a $49 a month membership? How do you think that that is different or what kinds of things would you include or not include at that price point?
1: Yeah, that's another really great question. I think that it depends on the industry you're in. So if you are in a consumer industry where people are there because of an interest and you have a podcast that has a lot of people who are like, love this information and they want to hear more and they want to connect to other like-minded people, I think that's the perfect place for it. That's also a really great community model where if you know people are listening to your podcast and they're not connected to each other and they want to be connected to each other, perhaps they're DMing you a lot or emailing you a lot and you know they just want to share, share, share. That might be a really good opportunity to have a A membership that required less of you showing up all the time with the information because people just really want to hang out because they are so interested in this topic and they can learn a lot from each other. I would also consider it if you are growing in your numbers of listeners and you want a place where people can take one more step closer to hanging out with you, you take some of your content and you turn it into something a little bit more robust. So that could be more of an education model or training model depending, again, on your zone of genius. Like, how do you want to show up?
0: I think those are a lot of helpful distinctions. And it actually brings up another fear that I think maybe some people have, which is the fear of creating an offer that is every single month that could be perceived as maybe being unsustainable or draining or on the opposite, like running out of things to say. So what would you say to those questions, those people? Well, I think you need
1: to know what your timeline is for how long people need to be in it. So I would consider the transformation that you're delivering, because I think when we get obsessed about people staying in there forever, well, that's not realistic. I mean, and that's probably also a lower priced model, because not everyone needs something from you all the time forever for years and years. So if we think about the fact that, well, it takes people, you know, approximately 12 months or six months or 18 months to get the transformation that I would ultimately like to deliver to them that, heck, if I was working one-on-one with them, I could do it in like 60 days, but they want it more on a, on a drip. They want it a little bit looser because everyone knows showing up on a, on a membership is a bit self-led. So I would say that you, if you get clear on what you think that transformation might take in a more paced format, then work it out from that
0: level and then be okay with people who leave at that timeline or that point. Maybe instead of thinking of losing those kinds of members as a bad thing, I would see that as a success. It means you've helped them achieve that transformation that you're talking about. And so certainly those people would still be your biggest fans and word of mouth referrals for your membership. Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, they are your success stories. And again, I think we can't get attached to having people in there all the time. And and I, and I I think if we think we need to have people in there all the time, then I think we think it needs to be about the community and just being there. And I think that's where that will get trickier because that will be less intentional. If people are just hanging out, then how do you control or not even not control is not the word, but encourage them to stay longer if they're really just there to hang out and be seen. That is something that's challenging as a business owner to be able to plan for or structure for because it's a little out of our control like of course if you are a passionate community builder and connector and that is something you can learn really really well is how to create like a community that nobody would want to leave because the actual interaction and the connection and all the things are so valuable if that's really who you are then you can but I would say most other people are there for a time or a season (laughs) or a reason and it's time for them to to move on so I think that puts takes the pressure off of us to make the place so amazing that no one would ever want to leave because that's not really what it's about I think what it's really about is creating transformation for people
0: Mm -hmm. and speaking of what it's really about I know something I've heard you talk about is that the golden ticket of memberships is getting the value proposition right so can you tell us what that means
1: Okay. So I love value propositions and I could talk about them all day. Really, it's about what is the transformation or the outcome you are delivering for people? What you, Who you really want to target is the ones that are getting the similar kinds of outcomes. So knowing what they are paying for is crystal has to be crystal clear. Like they are paying for knowledge in this area. They are pay, paying for um, even accountability, and that accountability system is so well designed that they know they're going to get it. They're coming for uh, validation and feedback, like in my coaching membership. They are so they can, you know, take action and be like, "Oh, I love that you just validated my thoughts. I am going to go for it." You know, like they take bold moves because of that, or they're there because they're uh, feeling kind of part of something that they really want to be part of. Like you have to know what that is. That's the only way to grow it. Otherwise, you cannot message to it. You cannot sell consistently to it. You can't do all the work in your podcast even to talk about those outcomes and share examples of them. It will be too all over the place, just like in any business. If you show up on a website and they're like, I can help you with anything, that's not that appealing. Even if you've been referred, that still doesn't make you feel like you've made the right buying decision.
0: Mm -hmm. And something I'm noticing about your value prop description is that these are clear benefits to members, not features. Like it's not that they're joining because they want courses or workshops or community. Those are like the features that will deliver the benefit, but these are the real reasons that are internal motivation probably and reasons why they would want the certain transformation we've been talking about. When it comes to the membership overall, we've talked about how important getting that result is. So do you have any advice around how to help members actually get results versus just giving them content to consume? Yeah. Okay. So that, that's a really good question. I don't think I've ever thought
1: of it quite like that. So I think that you are delivering your transformation. I You are doing it over time. like, And that's how I've approached mine with the goal that everyone is to implement all the plans that they have and get more clear on their plans and make better decisions or more quick decisions rather than it getting stuck. And then they were kind of stalling <laughs> a lot of them or getting caught up in another bright, shiny object rather than working the plan. So my goal is like, we're going to keep you accountable to the plan. So that's one way of doing it. It's like, what is it that it's going to take to get them successful? If you are mostly providing them with mindset support, and some tools, then you know you need to show up with that level of holding space for them every month to do the work, to follow through. It doesn't even have to be a lot of content. It's not about like the, the volume of content. It's about the inspiration to do the thing that you know they need to do. I think it does take having some experience with clients before you can create a scalable program. You can start really, really small, but you still have to feel confident to delivering to a larger audience, to more than one person.
0: That makes sense. And I imagine working one-on-one is not only a more accessible starting point for people, but also when you do work one-on-one, you just get so much feedback from each client on what they need from you, and then you can start to notice trends. And I know that's how I felt before I started creating courses, and now I actually do have a small membership, which I'm curious to chat about in a second, but in general, you do start to pick up on things that keep repeating. And at least for me, that was a huge sign that I was onto an opportunity.
1: Yeah, so again, it's about your programming. So I would say that if you have a membership, I would map it out like a course. I think that makes much more sense than every month trying to come up with some topic that, may seem like it's so valuable and has to be so original because your core content of how you deliver value to your clients is your core content. And until they're getting those foundations that you're teaching them, you have to keep
0: helping them with that thing. I think that's a really great tip about mapping out the membership like a course, because I imagine that could probably help people decide if they are still in a place with one-on-one clients because maybe they don't fully have a clear map yet. Maybe on the other hand, they realize they do have a course in mind because maybe it's something that's very linear and maybe not too complex. But then on the other hand, maybe they realize that there's something that is, like you said, long term that probably will take months that would benefit from having accountability. And to use myself briefly as an example, I did in 2021 decide to start a very small community for active podcast hosts because I thought about creating a course instead. But I realized there's so much that goes into building up your podcast audience. And in my mind, it's more like working out regularly than it is about completing a course from start to finish. And that's how I kind of decided to go down the membership route. And that's why now thinking about that outcome of how can I help people build up their audiences, it doesn't feel like it's a one size fits all solution. And it's never ending. (laughs) So no matter
1: where anyone's at, they're going to want to grow their podcast audience. And I actually think that that is something that is really challenging to implement a step by step way of doing it. I love the idea of of hashing out with other people how to figure out what to do because I think for one podcaster they're missing something. The other person has that dialed and they need to do something different. So I think it's really hard to layer on too many to-dos to people who are maybe like, that's not worth it. Like some strategies for growing a podcast aren't going to be relevant to some people, or they're going to be way less valuable than the core things that they might need to do instead.
0: Mm -hmm. And I also realized over the years talking with fellow podcast hosts or even just other digital marketing experts that, First of all, I couldn't possibly try all the strategies myself that could work. And I think there's a real value to learning from other people, even myself as you know, the leader of this particular membership. I just think there's so much to gain from bringing out the best expertise from members, from other people. Oh, absolutely.
1: Like I I actually did take a podcast marketing course with a, a previous client who was just offering something that was like really, really discounted, like first, you know, be the first to take this course and, and it was full of information. And I actually, my feedback on it was, you know, I don't actually want to watch all these videos and learn all these things because it's like, it's like running a business. It's like, it's every little thing you could do to grow your business, but you can only do so many things at once. Like you can't, invest in podcast pitching and SEO person and a social media person and ads. Like you you have to decide what are the right ones. I think when it came down to it, my solution has been how do I personalize my podcast more? <laughs> and that was like it wasn't about doing SEO or this or that. So that's like a really different kind of thing that you can only get through conversation rather than learning a whole bunch of tips and tools. I think it's invaluable. I love that. I love the idea of your membership. I think it's perfect.
0: Oh, thank you. And I just think too, the value of talking with other people who do what you do to me seems to be another huge component to membership. Like I know you mentioned, they don't all have to have the community or the forum element, but I imagine for a lot of memberships, just being around other people who are in the same shoes as you would be a huge help. Like when I launched a podcast for the first time years ago, I didn't know anybody else doing it. And I really craved being around other people who knew what it felt like or had the same struggles as me.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like we want to feel like we're not alone and we want validation and feedback. So, you know, again, the membership has elements of a course, but it has the ability to interact with other people. And I would say that it's different than a program because a program ends up being higher ticket because you're you're committing to showing up. So you're actually spending time and there and there is a limit to the amount of people. So like in a program, for example, where you would have, say, 10 people on a call, it might be limited to 10 people in that program. So the price point will be higher when you've got potentially like 25 people in a membership, but not everyone's going to show up on every call because, and they're also paying less, gives you a chance to serve more people with the same amount of output or volume. They're paying a little bit less. You're, you might even be getting more in revenue from the 25 versus the 10, And there's less pressure on you to make sure everyone shows up and gets value because they can literally come and get it when they need it. That makes total sense.
0: I know we're starting to wind down a little bit and we've covered so many great strategies, but let's say I were just getting started. I think I could feel, you know, a little overwhelmed wondering where to begin. So if I was thinking about launching a membership, what are maybe one to two things you would recommend that I do first to get started?
1: Well, first I would get clear on your readiness. I think it's similar to a, making a decision about a podcast. Like, are you going to commit to something every, every month and showing up? Like, do you have that space in your life to give it that initial thought? I would say that having that comfort around what could you do with people and feel really good about it for at least a few months. I would also suggest minimum viable, like start small. Don't try to give everything right away. Like I'm just talking to my members who've just now been in in it for like a month saying, you guys really do want a community. Don't you like you really want to chat outside of this call. (laughs) So I'm going to set something up for February, but I didn't worry about having it all perfect at the beginning because I had to make sure it felt right. I didn't want to offer like, here's 20 things. And then, What if everybody wanted a different thing and then it was overwhelming and I thought, well, what did I get myself into? So keep it really, really simple. And then the other thing is that what is that core thing you want to give? I know for me, it is the coaching. It is my live calls. I do three a month and each of them gets hands on time. That is my number one and that's the selling feature. And that's what I know I can 100% deliver because this is what I do naturally and best. So I would get clear on that and then the other things you can add as small things or add them as you gain more people. But don't try to give everything thinking that it's going to up the value of it, because it could just overwhelm them. Because if they don't take advantage of it, they might devalue it.
0: So I would say like, just keep that really, really simple. Those are all really great tips. I feel myself taking notes and I hope listeners are too. And just before we do start to say goodbye. Where can listeners learn more about you? Okay, so I can be found at
1: scalingdeep.com. So that's my personal website. But the other really, really exciting opportunity is that in just a few weeks, I am launching a big summit on memberships called the Profitable Membership Summit. And this is a an opportunity to learn from experts who have memberships and how they've done it. And also a lot of different um, service providers who really understand these details about Memberships and how to design them and how to position for them and brand for them and do uh, like all the things specifically for memberships. and i and I'm so excited because the topics are just more way more in depth than anything will you'll find outline on memberships. like i'm it's not tactical. We're not talking about which site do you choose because, you know you don't even really need a site. <laughs> you can keep it really simple. It's really about how to make them sustainable profitable, successful, and a joy to run. And I'm so excited about that. So that's at ProfitableMembershipSummit.com.
0: Amazing. And we'll make sure to include a link in the show notes as well. Lisa, this has been such a value-packed call. Do you have any final advice for our podcasters or aspiring membership creators before we go?
1: I would just encourage people to do it sooner than they think because I think it's possible to start small and not compare your model to everyone else's and just. Be mindful of serving your people and finding ways to do it. I think that's the best thing you can go and do. I mean, I have members that who wouldn't have bought from me one-on-one right now who joined that, and that was the best way to serve them. So I
0: would start sooner than you think. That's really my number one piece of advice. Mm -hmm. A great tip, I think, for all things online business and really any project we're excited about, but that maybe scares us a little bit. We're probably more ready than we think, and we'll never be as ready as we want to (laughs) be. Exactly. Thank you so much for joining us this week. To learn more about Lisa's business, summit, and podcast, and everything mentioned in today's episode, you can check out the show notes at witandwire.com 23. If you're listening the week this episode airs, I do have two very big Wit & Wire announcements for you. One is for anyone excited to launch a new podcast, and the other is about the beta membership you heard me mention with Lisa. First up, I can't tell you how excited I am that we've just reopened the doors to our flagship program, the Podcast Launch Accelerator. This program is your complete step-by-step toolkit to launch a top 200 podcast in 60 days or less, or really on any timeline that works for you. It also includes live weekly group coaching with me and the other Accelerator students to help you actually get results. To learn more about the special reopening bonuses and savings, visit witandwire.com accelerator, or check out a link in the show notes. Second, if you already have a published podcast, I'd love to have you check out our podcast host membership, which is currently in beta mode. Alongside fellow hosts, I'll help you find more listeners, hit five- and six-figure download milestones, and add new revenue streams to your podcast. Starting February 1st, our monthly theme will be pitching, whether it's pitching guests, pitching to be a guest on other shows, or learning more about promo swaps. So if you're interested in expanding your audience and connecting with more listeners, you can learn more about our podcast host membership at witandwire.com membership. Thank you again for joining me, Melissa Guller, in this episode of Wit & Wire. I'll see you next time, podcasters.